couple of announcements I want for you guys. Um, so momentum, obviously we just saw that video. We have 10 spots left, just 10. And so if you have not had an opportunity to do that, we want to make sure please sign up because that is going quickly. There are just 10 spots left. So if you haven't, if you need help, if you're like, somebody needs to talk to my mom, I'll talk to your mom. If it's like, no, it's my dad, then I'll talk to your dad. If it's like, we broke, cool, we got money. And so whatever it is, we want to make sure that you have an opportunity to go. Now, obviously, tonight is a double whammy. It's Halloween and Christmas. Somehow they both came together and decided to have Christmas scene. Um, but here's the deal, right? How many of y'all growing up, you went trick-or-treating? Anybody here went trick-or-treating? Okay. So I didn't. And I don't think it was a religious thing in my house. I think it was a broke thing. I think they were like, we ain't buying you no costume. Um, and, and I wasn't arts and crafty enough to make one. But one time I did go. One time I got to go to my cousin's house in the suburbs. Anybody ever went trick-or-treating in the suburbs? Yeah. Like if you were like me, you left the hood and went to rich folk house and you knocked on rich people's house. Why? Because rich people, they didn't, you remember those like black and orange things that nobody ate? It's like just a black and orange wrapper, and you were like, garbage, you would. And then, and then candy corn, you, you're weird for that one. Um, and then somebody, it'd be weird, right, if somebody's like, oh, I have candy corn, and they just go in their pocket, and it's loose candy corn. Right, how nasty is that? But at the rich house, right, they gave the good chocolates, right, the name brand chocolates. And you didn't get no fun size, because how many knows? That's not fun. They gave you the whole bar. And you would look at them like, like, me? You've, you've chosen me for a king size? And so here's the deal. Because you guys decided to come out tonight rather than do anything else, we have king size, no, no, the regular size, but candy bars for every single one of you, full size for everybody in the house. And if you wore a costume, you can have two. So if you wore a costume, you got two. So leaders, help me out. We got Reese's Cups and Snickers. We got M&M's. They're going to hand that out to you real quick. We want everyone to have some. Enjoy it. Hey, if you got peanut allergies, stay away from the peanuts. Hey, just don't leave the wrapper in church. That's just grimy. While they're doing that, let me uh, get through you guys just a couple more announcements. A um, couple more things that we got going on on the calendar. Like I said, we got momentum coming up. I love how no one's just they're like candy. No one's paying attention to me until candy's up. All right, did everybody get one? So we can, you know, Jesus, everybody got one? Okay, here's my only rule. You can eat it now, but if I hear, you're going to kick to the face, okay? You're small enough that I can reach. Okay. <laughs> Don't act like you didn't want to laugh at that. That was funny to you. <laughs> hey, so listen, somebody was like, hey, how come you're not dressed like an old man? I got my old man right here, my Mr. Rogers. He's my hero. And uh, I am dressed like an old man. This is what they dress like. This is me. I'm old. These uh, cañas right here, these little white hairs, 50% of those, you guys, 50%. The other 50%, these two right here, just my wife and baby. So between you guys, you have aged me 67 years. So low-key, I am 19 years old. I don't know how many of you knew that, but I really am. Uh, I want to talk to you about something tonight. Um, so this week, I think for like the first time in either a long time or ever, I listened to a whole Kanye album. And, um, and yeah, Chick-fil-A was on repeat. Uh, me and Jill went on a road trip. It was like a six-hour road trip. And so we were listening to all types of music. And I decided to listen to that. On top of that, we listened to some podcasts, some interviews that he's been doing. And 
There's a little bit of a controversy that I think is fun. I'm a troll. I just like to watch things online and just eat my popcorn and enjoy reading the comments. And you see there's this back and forth from believers, from unbelievers. I mean, you can never please anybody online, but I just think it's funny how much people are talking about Jesus. I love that. I love no matter what that people are talking about Jesus is king. And so there's this back and forth. You have the unbelievers who all of a sudden don't like Kanye, right? They loved him for years. They're like, I don't like Kanye anymore. I miss old Kanye. I'm like, the really, really depressed one that hated himself? Man, you really messed up for that one, right? And then you got Christians who are like, this is amazing. And other Christians that are like, oh, believe it when I see it. And you kind of get this whole back and forth thing. And and I don't really like to voice my opinion too much online because I, who cares, right, about my opinion online. But for you guys, you know, I think it's one of those things, and we're going to kind of go into that a little bit tonight, that one, first of all, you should be more worried about is your walk with God genuine than anybody else's walk with God. And so I, I hope we would put your life as just as much scrutiny as his. But the other thing, I think the thing that's throwing people off is it seems like it's such a random shift. It seems like overnight he went from zero to 60. He, he went from doing all types of wild stuff and, and just not having any type of relationship with God to being radically and utterly transformed. And here's what I've experienced. It does not take a long time for God to do that to you. It doesn't. When you have experienced the presence of God in a real and tangible way, there is change that automatically happens in your life. My prayer is that the change he's experienced is genuine. And if it isn't, eventually it all comes out anyways. But if it is, here's the potential of someone who has a platform, who has an opportunity. And this is what we've been talking to you guys about a lot. I love that he's not embarrassed or ashamed. I love that he doesn't care if this costs him his career or not. He is going to declare what he has discovered. And this is a good, a good, good thing for you and I to understand it does not matter what people say or think all that matters is are you willing to express what has been expressed to you through the Holy Spirit and we want to talk about that just a little bit more in depth so if you have your Bibles I want you to open up to Exodus chapter 34 if not you can write this down look over it later let me give you a little bit of context before I get into the scripture on what's going on here uh, the nation of Israel had been wandering and they got to a place called Mount Sinai they look up at Mount Sinai, and the top of the mountain is just like what you would think in a movie. There's thunderstorms and clouds, and there's just this mighty presence, like something's going down at the top of that mountain. And the Bible tells us that Moses goes up to the mountain to meet with God. He's there for 40 days, 40 nights. He doesn't eat. He doesn't drink. He's just there in the presence of God, and then he begins to come down. And so if you have your Bibles, look at verse 29. It says, when Moses came down Mount Sinai carrying two stone tablets inscribed with terms of the covenant. He wasn't aware that his face had become radiant he had, because he had spoken to the Lord. All right? So just paint the picture again. Moses up there on the mountain. He's coming down, and his face is literally shining. Okay? Like he is just bright. And so bright that he didn't even notice it. He's like, oh, for real? It's like... You ever had like just something on your face and everybody sees it but you? That's him, except instead of it being a booger, it is the glory of God so much on his face that everybody sees it. And it says, uh, next verse, verse 30. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. Let me, again, I'll pause right there. You can get to the next verse. But when you experience the presence of God in a real and tangible way, 
it's going to freak people out. That's what's happening with Kanye, right? He, he had this experience, and people are now afraid to go near him. People think this guy's crazy. Something happened. I mean, this is his, his bipolarism at work. These are all types of things. And, and people are backing off. They're afraid to come near him. Christians and non-Christians are afraid to come near him. Right? Why? Because the radiance. So, but Moses called out to them and asked Aaron, all the leaders of the community, to come over, and he talked with them. Right? So first he gets with the, the leadership, and then eventually the rest of the people come with him. Verse 32, it says, then all the people of Israel approached him, and Moses gave them all the instructions the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. Again, let me pause for a second. Notice the order. First the leaders were the ones who approached, and that left room for the rest of the people to come. Some of you need to understand the gifting of leadership that God has placed in your life. You're a leader whether you want to be a leader or not. You're a leader. A lot of people I've heard them say like, oh, I can't wait to graduate so I can become a leader. And my question is, why are you waiting? You're a leader whether you like it or not. You'll either lead people to God or you'll lead people away from God, but you will lead them. Leaders can't help but lead people. And so if you are someone who wants to lead people to God, you have to understand sometimes you're going to have to do it by yourself at first. You might have to be the first one. You might have to be the only one. And then the rest of the people will follow you. And again, going back to Kanye, he's taking a leap. His own family's not even totally following him yet. His, his people aren't all following him yet. But he said, I will be the first one to step out and watch how people follow. More people have heard the gospel in the last couple of weeks than before, right? I mean, he has just has such a platform and a willingness to step out that others are willing to follow. Hopefully not him, but Jesus. It may start with him, right? A lot of them are like, I'm not a Jesus fan, I'm a Kanye fan. But if through that they meet Jesus, praise God. And so we go back to the scriptures, right? It says, then all the people of Israel approached him, and Moses gave them all instructions that the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil. A veil is like a mask, right? It's like a cloth that basically he looked like a ninja. So he just covered his face with a veil and so if you've ever been to a wedding and they remove the veil, it's this covering that they take off. And so it says they, they put the veil on him after he did that. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Okay, again, let me give you some historical background. Uh, Jesus would meet in a specific place called the tent of meeting. Not everybody was allowed to go into that tent. And at this point, only Moses was. So every time Moses went into the tent, he took the veil off. But when he would leave the tent, he'd put the veil back on. And we're going to get into what that means in just a moment. Then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him. And the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. It's a few thoughts I have when I'm reading the scripture that I'd like for you to understand and, and take note of. And if you are taking notes, you might want to write this down. Number one, God's presence changes your appearance. God's presence changes your appearance. When you are in the presence of God, when you spend time in the presence of God, things begin to change. Now listen, I'm not saying you're going to walk in looking like me and then walk out looking like, you know, six-pack and super tall washboard abs. That's, that's not, that would be a good change though, right? A church would be full. Or people would just sign up for church and never come. One or the other. But, it will, you know, we're not talking about that type of change. But there is a significant change and even to a certain extent a physical change when people spend time in the presence of the Lord. 
For example, there's a, a, a glow that people have who have been with God. A joy on their face. Somebody came up to me the other day. She just stopped me. She goes, Ken, I just love how you always seem happy. And I go, I always am happy. Like, why wouldn't I be? Right? Yes, stuff happens. Yes, things go down. But I get to be with the Lord through all those things. Now, I didn't notice that. I don't notice my face, right? Do you ever think about the fact that you've never seen your own face? You've only ever seen a reflection of it? Like, you've never seen your face, which is weird now. Everyone's trying to look at their nose. Like, you've seen the tip of your nose, but you've never seen your face. Only a reflection of it. And so what people see oftentimes is your presence with God or the lack of the presence of the Lord. And so when you spend time with God, you're the Bible, or there's a fancy word for it called continence, right? The, the way you look begins to change. And you'll notice that even for some of you who are more recently saved, people will start to say, hey, something's different about you. What is it? What's, what's going on? I mean, you just seem different. And listen, the opposite is true. When you don't spend time with God, what's wrong with you? What's going on with you? You seem off. Are you all right? There is a huge difference between spending time in God's presence and the absence of God's presence in your life. And it shows up physically. Listen, sometimes I don't have to, I mean, yes, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me. But there are moments I don't require that because it's all over your face. We can tell you're having a bad day. We can tell that you're not doing well in your relationship with God. Why? Because before, you used to worship in the front with arms lifted and joy in your heart, and you slowly are drifting away. Your face is starting to change. Your heart is not the same. Why? Because there's a physical representation of what's going on in your spiritual life. There's a difference when you spend time in the presence of God, which is a good reminder for all of you. When you get caught in these funks, don't pull away from God. Push into him. A lot of times when I, when I meet with somebody, this is the easiest question. It's a diagnosis, right? They're like, oh, this is going on, this is going on, and I'll go, okay, when was the last time you spent with God? How's your prayer life? What's your devotional life look like? And almost 99.9% .9 of the time, I don't know, I haven't done it in a long time. Okay, well, that's what's wrong. That, I mean, that's what's happening, right? You, you haven't done the little things, the basic things. It doesn't mean all the problems go away, but there's a difference when you're in the presence of God. We see that later on in the New Testament. Acts chapter 4 verse 13 says this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Okay. Let me just break that down for you. Uh, these two men, disciples of Jesus Christ, Peter and John, were standing in front of this Jewish court that were judging them because they were preaching the gospel and doing that, even though they told them not to do that. And they look at them and, and they're confused because they say, these guys are nothing special. They're, there's no training and, and, and schooling and but there's nothing unique about them. And yet we can tell that they've been with Jesus. I had mentioned earlier that I went on a road trip with Gio, and um, we went up to North Central University, one of the AG colleges in Minnesota, and I thought it was so funny because I had the opportunity to do a lecture in two different uh, classes. And so I'm standing in front of 50-something people doing a, a college lecture, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't even have a degree. 
I don't even have an associate's degree. Some of you are already more qualified to do that class than I was because you at least got some college credit in high school. <laughs> and I'm kind of laughing to myself because I'm like, this is weird. And yet, they can tell that I had been with Jesus. I would be hanging out and people would come and they'd ask me questions and they'd want to pick my brain. Not because I, I handed out my resume and I told everybody, look at how qualified I am to do this. They did so because they could tell that I had been with Jesus. See, sometimes we underplay what God wants to do with us. We, we pull back, we shrink because we think, well, I haven't been a Christian long enough and I haven't figured this out long enough. And there's just, I'm not qualified to do these things. You know what qualifies you? Being in the presence of God. Spend time in the presence of Jesus and people will notice you and want to talk to you about it, want to be with you. So again, going back to Kanye, as we mentioned earlier, I've heard a lot of people say, well, well, he should take time. If he's, if he's just got saved, he should take time away from the limelight, give himself three years to just grow in his relationship with God and, and just not say anything. And I'm like, that's his life, though. His life is in front of the public eye. That's, he's, he's not doing anything different than if he would have been uh, not had an encounter with God. The only difference now is that he had been with Jesus, and so now something changed and something's different. What would happen if instead of us saying, hey, I'll wait till I graduate and then I can start leading teenagers? You know what? You're more equipped to lead teenagers where you are than a few years after when you graduate. Because nobody wants, you know, you know what I'm talking about high schoolers, you know what I mean. That person that graduated and still hangs around the high school. And you're like, bro, go, to, go away. Like, you know, he's still trying to holler at freshman girls. And you're like, dude, this is embarrassing. Nobody likes you anymore. What's up, guys? They're like, yeah, you were cool last year, not this year. Like, you're an old person. Leave. And again, I'm not going to walk into your school and be like, hello, fellow teenagers. Can I talk to you about Jesus? Right? Because y'all know CPS, I'm out. Just... And you're trying to talk to a bunch of 14-year-olds in a corner. It's like, can I tell you about the Lord? It's awkward. But you can. And guess what? It doesn't even have to be complicated. Because the more time you spend in the presence of the Lord, the more noticeable the presence of God in your life is. And when people notice the presence of God, they notice something different. And when they notice something different, they're intrigued to get closer to it. We do that with anything. Anything that we notice is a little bit different. We're like, hey, what's, what is that? What's going on with that? It's our natural curiosity. And the Spirit wants the Holy Spirit. And so they will be drawn if you're willing to be who God called you to be. Now, we look at that in Moses' life. But one of the things we miss is that even though we've had the presence of God, a lot of times we try to hide it. If you're taking notes, write this down. Often we, quote, unquote, mask the glory of God. We hide the glory of God. Many of us don't want to be put out in our relationship with God. There's probably a number of reasons for that. One of the reasons why we don't want to be open about our faith or be open about our relationship with Jesus is because we don't want people to hold us accountable for that. We don't want people to be like, oh, but I thought you were going to church now. Oh, but wait, wait, why are you doing that? I thought you were a Christian. I thought Christians don't swear. I thought Christians didn't go to these things. I, I thought Christians didn't do that. And I'm telling you, it is not the Christian that will ask you that, Christian, that question. It is the unbeliever. 
And it's not even because they're trying to pull you out. They're genuinely confused. And I think a big part of why they're confused is because they were hopeful that what you were saying was real. They were hopeful that you really did change, that you really did have an encounter with God. Because if they could see that you genuinely had an encounter with Jesus, maybe there's hope for them. And yet when they see every time you not following up with that, they think, "Mm, maybe it's not a real thing. And I think we know that. And because we know that, we'd rather not say anything than let down their expectations. I don't think that's fair, though. I've seen this. I hate this. People go, I'm like, how come you haven't come to youth group? I don't want to be a hypocrite. Okay, stop doing the bad things and then just come to youth group. Like if you, you know, hypocrisy is doing two things. Why do you choose the bad thing? (laughs) Stop doing the bad thing and choose the good thing. Then then you're with God and you're not a hypocrite. We solve two issues. (laughs) But too often people choose a life of sin because they go, I just just don't want to be called out. I just don't want to be put out because the truth is I'm not going to do it. I wrote it, um, I was thinking about this a while back, a few years ago. I had a buddy of mine that um, had an in with some gangs, and we would, um, if we had a kid in those particular gangs, he would talk to the chief of that gang, and we would try to negotiate what was called the bless out, which is instead of getting beat up to get out of the gang, the gang would just simply say, okay, because you're a Christian now, because you believe in Jesus, we're going to let you walk and go be a Christian. But there was a rule a lot of times, and not every gang does that, but there was a rule with the ones that did. And the rule was, if we ever caught you gangbanging again, we'll kill you on sight. So if it's real, cool. But if you're faking, we'll kill you. But you know what I mean? And so here's the deal. We would have that thing, and we would talk to students who came and who were coming from a gang life and who accepted Jesus and were trying to grow. And we would say, hey, let us help you get out of the gangs. And then the funny part was many of them, or at least a handful, would openly say no because they knew they had no intention to living a godly life. They said no because they knew this is good, this is fun, but I'm, I'm honestly, I'm going to go back. They wouldn't ever say it. But they didn't take the risk of getting shot because they knew they couldn't leave the lifestyle. You and I need to be careful about hiding, masking our relationship with God. Listen, Mark chapter 8 verse 38 says, if anyone is ashamed of me, this is Jesus speaking. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns to the glory of his father with the holy angels. Let me explain that to you. The Bible says that no one can come to the Father if not through me. That's Jesus, right? No one can get to heaven without going through Jesus. And what he's saying is if you're going to be embarrassed about our relationship right now, if you're going to be ashamed about the gospel message, if, if holding your Bible in public embarrasses you, if telling people about the Lord embarrasses you, then guess what? When you get to heaven, I'm going to be embarrassed of you too. You're going to pretend like you don't know me on earth, then when you get to heaven, I'm going to pretend like I don't know you. Away from me, for I never knew you. Only two things you'll hear when you stand before God. Well done, good and faithful servant. Or away from me, for I never knew you. And there's going to be plenty. But, but I knew you. And he goes, yeah, remember that time you acted like you didn't know me? Remember all those opportunities I set up and you pretended like you were too cool? Now I'm too cool for this. We need to be careful. 
Because we wouldn't put up with that. Could you imagine? Imagine you're in a relationship, right? This person is amazing. I mean, you're head over heels in love with them. You think they're, they're perfect. I can't wait. I want to marry this person. And as you're in public, they let go of your hand. They're like, you're my secret girlfriend. <laughs> it's like, why? <laughs> right? He said, no, no, shh, you're my secret boyfriend. <laughs> now, if you're done, you're like, okay, <laughs> I'll be your secret boyfriend. <laughs> But anybody with self-respect will understand, no, 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 Papa, you, you with me publicly or nothing. I want to be all over your Facebook. The status change, the picture change. I want pictures of me all up in your room. I want to be at your family's Thanksgiving dinner. I am all in this or not at all, all right? I, I'm going to sign up for the school announcements just in case to make sure everybody knows that's my man, that's my girlfriend, mine. C says I do this. I don't think I do this. But C says whenever there's like a dude that we don't know that's talking to her, she says this. That somehow I come over and I introduce myself and that my chest is a little bit wider and my voice a little bit deeper. And I'm like, hi, my name is Joey, her husband. Nice to meet you. I do. I do do that. I just want to make sure old boy understands mine. I'm not embarrassed of my wife. I'm not embarrassed of my family. I'm also not embarrassed of my God. What about you? Are you embarrassed of the things that God has done in your life? Are you embarrassed to be who God's called you to be out loud? Or is it not so much that you're embarrassed of who he is, maybe you're embarrassed of who you are. Maybe you're not living up to what it means to be a believer. Because I don't know, the, the couples that hide are the ones that are cheating. Right? Because if someone, if I was dating someone and she let go of my hand because we walked in a public area, I'm thinking, who's in this room that you don't want to know that we're together? Who else are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Right? I'm, I'm sorry. I had flashbacks. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Give me, let me see your phone. Let me see your phone. Right? So here's the deal. If, if all of a sudden, right, you were here, you're worshiping God, you're loving the Lord, you're doing your thing, you're talking about Jesus, and tomorrow, finally, you go back to school, and people are like, hey, what'd you do yesterday? Nothing. And Jesus is back to like, what do you mean nothing? We had a date. You and I were together. Why are you acting like we weren't? Oh, they wouldn't understand, Jesus. Who cares if they don't understand? Listen, we got to get beyond being embarrassed, because I can't be ashamed of what's changed my life. You shouldn't either. Or maybe this is the reason. If you're taking notes, I think it's important to understand that temporary things, they fade away. Temporary things fade away. Now, that might seem like a redundant statement or like a duh kind of thing. But what I mean by that is that there's a difference between what's temporary and what's permanent. Think about it like this. You ever like went to the carnival or Great America, you got like a temporary tattoo? You ever got like one of those little stickers that they put on and they put a little wet towel on it and then they take it off and you got a little, like when I was a little kid, I was like, look at mom, I got a tattoo. And then she slapped me. She said, don't you dare overdo that. I was like, all right, man, chill. <laughs> but here's the thing, there's a difference between a temporary tattoo and a real tattoo. And the difference is, one is only on the surface. One has ink only on the surface. A real tattoo puts ink into the skin where it won't come off. 
Hey, listen, some of you got Jesus only on the surface. It's only on the outside. Hasn't gotten deep enough to go in you. And the problem is, you, you go through it long enough, that Jesus on the outside, just like a temporary tattoo, washes away. Fades. It begins to fade more and more. Well, what happened to Moses? Sometimes when we read Exodus and that story that we were reading, we think, well, Moses put the veil on because people were freaked out by the presence of God. And so he put that veil on in order for people to be more comfortable with him. And again, that's what you and I think to ourselves sometimes. Well, the, the only reason I don't get all Jesus-y with everybody is because I don't want to freak them out. And so I, I, I cover it up just a little bit, just enough to where I can still be approachable and, and where I can still, you know, connect with them because, you know, obviously we need to be in the world. And so I want to just be able to connect to the world. And so I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I just, I just cover it up a little bit, just enough that I don't freak anybody out. But here's the deal. That's not why Moses hid the face. That's not why he wore the veil. Paul later on in Corinthians explains the reason why. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 13 says, we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. Why did he put a mask on? Because he didn't want the people to notice that the glory of God was fading. The glory of God was fading. It wasn't what it used to be. It wasn't what it was. See, in the Old Testament, because they didn't have Jesus yet, because Jesus hadn't died on the cross for their sins, a lot of their encounters were temporary. There were moments. Yes, for that moment, his face radiated. Yes, for that moment, it shined bright, but it faded. And because it faded, he, he didn't want people to see the fading. And you and I still do that. We don't want people to know that we're not where we used to be spiritually, and so we, we put the veil on, right? We put the, the veil on. I still love Jesus. Yeah, I read my Bible, yeah. I worship God. Look, see? Yeah. But the truth is that's just that's fake. It's a front. Like, let me tell you something. The longer you're in church, the better you get at that veil. The more permanent that veil becomes. And we're good at it. Because we know the tricks. We know which hand to raise, when to raise it, when to hop, when to stop. Right? When to say amen. Man, I ain't going to lie. I'm, I'm good at, at just automatic amen. Amen. I wasn't paying attention. But I knew I, I knew I'd say it there. You ever notice people at church say amen in a weird time? Right? It's like, and then, you know, he was murdered and hung himself and blood bust out of his gut. Amen. It's like, whoa. <laughs> you was not paying attention to what I just said. Right? There was a, a car accident, 17 people died. Hey, Amen. Bro, pay attention next time. <laughs> Not the time to agree with me. <laughs> Listen, we're, we're good at fooling each other with the veil of Christianity, with playing the part and pretending that the glory of God is still in your life. But it doesn't matter how often you fool us. We're not at the gate. We're not the ones that are going to let you in or out. We're not the ones that determine your destination. We're not the ones that are with you in the middle of the night when nothing else is there. You can fool everyone in this room. You can fool Pastor Joey all you want. I still go home and sleep well. I still go home and, and live the rest of my life because I know I did my best to present this to you. But ultimately, you have to decide what you would do with what God has given you. 
and the fact that you keep hiding it, you're only fooling yourself. You're only veiling what's not going on. Moses had to hide the fact that the glory of God was leaving because it was temporary. But you and I, because of Jesus Christ, don't have to have temporary glory. It's not momentary. God's not going to show up and then take it away. God is saying, listen, you can have as much of my presence as you want. The only thing that stands between you and the presence of God is your lack of desire. Think about it. You can be anywhere, anytime, any place, and get in the presence of God. Anywhere. Some of us are like, oh, I don't have any privacy. I don't have to do it. Anywhere you can get in the presence of God. On your way to school, in the bathroom, how many know the shower? Ooh, the holy of holies rests upon in the shower. Right? Nobody sees the tears, but Lord washes them away. Your parents are like, why are you in there so long? Washing your hair? No, I'm praying to the Lord. But listen, we find moments to be alone with God. Even when it feels like we don't have any place to be. Where you are is where the presence of the Lord is because he resides in you. See, see, the, here's the difference. Moses had to go into the tent of meeting, and now the presence of God came into your tent of meeting. He said, we're meeting in your house. You don't got to go to my house. We're meeting in your house. This place, not the tent of meeting. This is not where the presence of God is. This is where the presence of God is. That's why he says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is where I live. I am in you. So you can meet with me whenever you want. And that's the difference. We talked about, right, Moses received the glory of the Lord and it came upon his face. Temporary. We receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the presence of God. We are sealed with the blood of the Lamb on the inside and it comes out. So now when people see the glory of God, it's not something that shines on us. It's something that shines through us. That's why the Bible says that you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. That light doesn't come from you. It comes through you if you're willing to let it. But the worst thing you could do to a light is cover it up. The worst thing you could do to a light is cover it up, is put a veil over the light. Worship team, if you can help me out. Now let's go back to 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to read a few verses down. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. It says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Leave that up there. So all of us who have had that veil removed, and let me tell you something, it was Jesus who removed the veil. When you read uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, when you see how he was killed on the cross, the Bible says that when he died, the veil was torn. Now again, going back into what was going on in Moses' days and all throughout the Jewish history up until that point, there was a veil, a big giant curtain that separated the presence of God and everyone else. You weren't allowed to go back there. You didn't have access to the presence of God. A priest who would go once a year would go in as your representative 
into that area. You could not do it. And even so, that priest would go with a rope tied around his ankle in case he wasn't right with God and he appeared before his presence, he would drop dead and they just drag his body out. And the Bible says that when Jesus Christ made the ultimate sacrifice to pay the penalty for your sin and mine, that veil was broken. And he said, there's no longer anything that can ever separate us except you. That veil is torn so that you can enter into his presence whenever you want. So that he can enter into your life and have permanent residence with you. So that all of us who have had that veil removed, we can see and reflect the glory of God. So now we don't just see his presence on all our faces, we reflect his presence. I used to like to think of it like this. The moon, I mean, some of you guys like to take pictures. There are some moments where that moon is gorgeous. And it's like awe-inspiring. And we look up and we're like, wow. How many times have you not caught yourself going, look at the moon? <laughs> hey, 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 look at the moon. And you're like, wow. But I don't know, maybe some of you don't, maybe some of you don't, but the new moon produces no light. It, there is no light that it produces. The light that you see on the moon is simply the reflection of the sun bouncing off of it. And that's who you and I were called to be. There's nothing good in me. There's no light in, about me. It's the reflection, right? We can see and reflect. It's the reflection of the presence of God in my life that shines. Why are you so happy? That's the Lord. Why are you always so excited? That's the Lord. You're seeing the reflection of my God in my life. You're seeing the reflection. Man, how come this isn't bothering you? It bothers me, but you're seeing the reflection of the Lord right now. This doesn't come from me. This isn't me. This isn't about me. This is about the sun reflecting on my life. It is about the sun reflecting on my life. Not S-U-N, but S-O-N. It is about the Son of God reflecting on my life and bouncing off in a world that is full of darkness. When that veil is removed, you can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit... Right? Why are they making that point? Because he's not talking about physical Jesus Christ anymore. He's talking about the spirit of God in you. Because physical Jesus Christ could only be in one place at one time. He died on the cross and rose again three days later so that the spirit of God can make its dwelling place, its home, in you. And it makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And what is that saying? Saying the more we allow his presence to reflect in our lives, the more we take on his characteristics, the more we look like Jesus, the more we act like Jesus, the more we love like Jesus. So that it doesn't become a costume anymore, it becomes a custom, who you are normally. It changes you. P-Joy, why aren't you wearing a costume? This is me. <laughs> this is who I am. I am old, okay? I can't do the things I used to do. This isn't a fake. <laughs> Some of us, we, we fake church. We play church. Church is a costume. Your faith is a costume. But the more you allow his spirit to dwell in your heart, the more you understand that the veil is torn and we can have that relationship, the more you go from costume to accustomed to being who you are, it moves you and changes you to look more and more and more like the son of God, which is the ultimate goal. 
to be Jesus with skin on, <laughs> to show the world through me what Jesus looks like. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close. I want to take some time tonight. Worship team, if maybe you can prepare something in your heart. I want to take some time tonight as we close in worship. And I, I love the fact that it's a, a, just a few of us tonight. And I know it's snowed and it's Halloween and all that stuff. But listen, I, I think that there's nothing ever accidental. So I want to close with us getting into the presence of God again. Taking some time tonight, just maybe 10 minutes or so. To get into his presence, not just sing a song. They're going to lead us in a, in a song of worship, that's true. But just get in his presence and say, God, there's no barrier between us anymore. But I have been hiding you. Or maybe you're like, I haven't been hiding, but I haven't been showing the way I need to. Something needs to shift tonight in our lives. So that never again would there be an empty section. So that... We don't have to wait for big events because a big event happened here. And that begins to change you. And as it changes you, it changes your circle of friends. And as it changes your circle of friends, it changes your classroom. And as it changes your classroom, it changes your grade. And as it changes your grade, it changes your school. And as it changes your school, it changes neighborhoods. And as it changes neighborhoods, it changes cities. It can happen if you're willing to let it happen. So I want to invite you all, join me up here in the middle. We're going to worship God together. We're going to press in. Come on, just join me up here just like we did earlier. All towards the center. Don't drift back. Don't, don't hide out for me, but all towards the center. And before they sing, can you just close your eyes for a moment? Would you just begin to talk to the Lord? And will you just begin to invite his presence in this place? From the youngest to the oldest, can we just begin to invite the presence of the Lord in our lives, not in the room, but in our hearts. Can we just begin to press in? Listen, some of you, you've been faking way too long, and, and it, it got so long that you, you're afraid to even let down the fake. But listen, this is an opportunity to say, look, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pre not pretend anymore. I'm not where I want to be. I'm, I'm not in a place that I need to be. I know God has called me to more. I know God has called me to lead. I know God has called me to shine brightly. But for whatever reason, I've been pulling back. I've been hiding. I've been allowing this veil to hide what God wants to do, but I don't want to do that anymore. I want to worship him freely because the Bible says that those who have experienced that, there is freedom. I want to know the freedom of the Lord because I no longer hide my face from him. And he doesn't hide his face from me. So come on, let's begin to, to ask the Lord and let's begin to, to press in in this moment. Just 10 minutes, we're going to go after God and we're going to believe God for miracles. We're going to believe God to change things. God, I'm just thanking you for bringing us here today, God. I'm thanking you, Lord, because you've kept us safe through another week, because you've been working in our lives, God. And as we're going on to momentum and we've been through another year, Lord, I'm praying that we're not waiting until we get there for you to move, God, because your presence is the same here that it is in a convention building. And you work hard in our hearts, Lord. And I'm praying that we understand that your presence just isn't just in church, Lord, but it's wherever we go. And I'm praying that as a school 
that school year started, Lord, that we're not just blending in, we're not just flowing with the crowd. And as things get hard this time of year for some of us, Lord, I'm praying that we push to you and we're not pushing away and falling into habits, God, but that we're moving towards your word and where you want us to be, Lord. And every move we make that we're being guided by you and we're just laying it all in front of your altar, God. So I'm praying and thanking you, Lord, for the ways that you move and the ways that you will continue to move in our lives, God. And thanking you for our leadership team, for our pastors, and for everyone that's here tonight. And for the people that aren't, God, I'm praying that even now, Lord, they know that there are people that are, that are fighting for them, Lord. That they're being taken care of. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, listen, we're going to close out with this. Um, tomorrow, in case you didn't realize, we do have small groups. I know it's the first Friday of the month, but because of momentum, we didn't want you to miss out on another day. And so we have small groups tomorrow getting ready to lead up for momentum. But I love that Nancy mentioned that in her prayer. Uh, we got about 10 spots left. I think most of the people, at least in this room, have already signed up. And if you haven't, I really want to encourage you to go. But listen, if we got the house full, let's use those 10 spots for those who aren't a part of this house yet. Let's, let's invite some of our friends. Let's invite some of our, our, our people. Let's say, hey, listen, this is an opportunity where we believe that God will open a door, not just for them to encounter the Lord, but to then be brought into the family of God as well. And so I just want to encourage you, be prayful about that. Ask the Lord to open doors, even for people that, oh, they, they already asked their mom, and they said, no, well, ask God to change the mom's heart, to open a door, because until we're there, you can still keep asking. Amen? God bless you. We love you. We will see you tomorrow in small groups.